taken kind of a new direction on take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. It's the podcast where I've spent a lot of time preaching to you about things that I believe that you should do <laughs> with your life. And I thought, you know what? Okay, that's fun. And I think we all get something out of that. But I am a radio guy. I've loved being on the radio since I was like 16 years old. And I thought there are some great people in radio that I've met, that I've worked with, and there's got to be some great stories in radio. So starting this week, a series of basically we're going to talk to some radio people and we're going to find out some behind the scenes stories and tales and things like that. And even if you're not in the radio business, and I'm going to assume that you're not, but if you are welcome, uh, and we're going to talk to some people on, ra- on the, who've been on the radio and get some fun behind the scenes radio stories this week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Let's get started. I told a couple of stories on the podcast a few weeks ago about how, all right, I was at dinner one time with my girlfriend, my boss, and his wife, and I found out later my boss had been playing footsie underneath the table with my girlfriend the entire time. That same boss later got his um, wallet and cell phone stolen by a prostitute because he was a consultant and he came to town and then apparently he had hired a prostitute. Now, remember, he was married. Uh, he hired a prostitute. And while he was in the shower, she grabbed his wallet and his cell phone and took off. And I don't remember whether he called the police. I don't know whether you called the police on that one or not. And a, listeners who on the podcast said, I want to hear more radio stories. So I got a hold of somebody who I've known for a while. And you'll probably know him He's a local guy here in the Twin Cities. John Lastman, where are you beaming in from, buddy? Hey, thank you, Dave. I can't believe that happened to Rob Morris. That's awful. <laughs> no, no, we're kidding. Not Rob Morris. <laughs> uh, how you been? Hey, I've been good. Uh, thanks for doing this. So the first thing I wondered was when I talk to radio people, uh, are they going to want to use their real name or any other identifying characteristics? And you don't care. You don't care. You just oh. don't care. I don't care. I think, you know, if I have any stories moving forward here that uh, people wouldn't want their real name used, I'll, I'll skip it. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Or the not so innocent. Yes. Um, so I my you know, there's a couple of sample stories, you know, the guy, the consultant and him playing footsie with my girlfriend. And and I also think that he used to take a couple of salespeople home to have sex in the middle of oh. the day when his wife was at work or go to their whatever. So we've known. John, you and I have been to town uh-huh. and we've known everything from wonderful people to unsavory people, successful stations, dogs of a radio station. It's kind of one of those things, John, where we go, where do you want to start? Right. So I will, I will put it out there for you. Where, where do you want to start? Do you have a story that when I said, Hey, John, will you be on the podcast? You said, Oh yes. And here's the story I'm going to start with. Well, it's going back to when I was in college, I was also working in New York City. I was very lucky to uh, get a job at a radio station in you know, the biggest market in the world, New York City. And lo and behold, the station was so screwed up. They made a 18-year-old kid marketing director when he was a fax machine. So I'm in charge of marketing director is a sort of a glorified term for, you know, the uh, king of the prize closet. You know, monitoring what gets given away, right? So I'm giving away, we were giving away tickets to 
The Who, and it wasn't The Who live, but it was, uh, God, this is going to age me. Dave, you remember, it's going to age you. Uh, closed circuit, like boxing championships, you would go to a, a club or even like an Orpheum theater, and for, you know, 20 bucks, you would watch the event on closed circuit television. This is before HBO and all that. Yeah. Oh, so, I remember. Yeah. So this was The Who live from Cleveland, you know, they were claiming it was their final performance ever, obviously not. But at the time, in 1982, everyone thought it was their last show. So these were, uh, you know, expensive tickets. And the promoter said, we can give you uh, 40. They said 40 tickets. I thought they said 40 pairs. So long story short, this 18-year-old idiot gives away 40 pair of tickets. And the night of the show, there's 20 pair of tickets sitting down there, 40 tickets. So the promoter called and said, I don't know what you want to do, but I've got uh, a lot of angry listeners down here and I don't have your tickets. I had to go to the general manager at seven o'clock on a Friday and get a check for like nine grand to buy these tickets. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't getting in without a ticket and like an idiot, I gave away twice as many tickets. But I see. Okay, yeah, the show was in Cleveland. They were in yeah. Manhattan. Holy yeah. shit! You had a death mob ready to yeah. kill you. Oh God, yeah. And uh, you know, next thing I knew, they were going to go to the TV. You know, cameras that were roaming the streets, filming these these people. So we we sort of uh, avoided a catastrophe. But I learned early on, you better double check how many tickets you have. But th- that's not even, you know, one of the, the ones that really stand out. You want to hear a, a good one about Twin Cities? Uh, yeah, I want to hear I want to hear your best diciest stories ever, John. So okay. this is rather dicey. Um, there was a radio station in town. And, you know, and I should preface all this. We've all matured and grown up quite a bit since these stories happened. This was like 1987, 88. So uh, we've all learned to. uh play a little nicer in the sandbox. Radio really was different back then. You didn't have as many choices of, you know, the cable television or Spotify or any of this. And it was a big deal. And you you fought, you know, tooth and nail for your ratings. So uh, there was a competing radio station in town, uh, Hot Rockin' 104, it was called. And they were broadcasting a band called L.A. Guns, which was sort of a early Guns N' Roses a band out of L.A. I think Axel was actually in the band at one time. Okay, and, I've heard of them for sure, yeah. Yeah, so L.A. Guns, post-Axel Rose, is playing the Caboose, and I don't know how they pulled it off, but 104 was going to broadcast the concert as it happened. So the night of the concert, I'm at dinner with a record promoter uh, uh, that has LA guns on his label and throughout dinner, he's saying, I've got to go over to the caboose afterwards. Yeah. And you're coming with me. And I'm saying, I can't go over there. They're going to kill me. That's our competitor. And I don't want to, you know, step on their turf. There's no, yeah. no need for that drama. Well, he got me to go over to the caboose. We go backstage and the band's just getting off stage before their encore. And on the way over there, I'm listening and lo and behold, they're broadcasting the show. As it happens, and I'm backstage, the record guy's talking to somebody in another part of the backstage area, and the band's manager comes up to me, and he says, uh, are you the radio guy? <laughs> um, 
Yeah. He goes, well, lovely. Let's get you on stage and bring the band back out for an encore, shall we? <laughs> so over the air, what do you think they heard? Hey, it's Johnny Rock from KQ92. Thanks for coming out. Please give a warm KQRS welcome once again to L.A. Guns. <laughs> and I look out at the crowd, and there is two or three of the uh, DJs from 104 fighting their way to get on stage and murder me. Wow. So, yeah, I uh, like the scene in the Blues Brothers with the good old boys. I took a quick, quick duck out of the uh, side door. And uh, jumped in a cab and was out of there. But that is, uh, you know what? That is so classic. I love that so much because you're right. Radio, especially 20, 30 years ago, was just full of people who wanted to just fuck with the other radio stations and would at any chance they could. And um, uh, you know, I've worked with other. I've worked across the street from other radio stations uh, where the DJs would talk shit about me, talk shit about the mm-hmm. radio station, and I never really liked that because I always thought it would come back and bite me in the ass. Did yeah. that incident ever come back and bite you in the ass? Well, not directly, and you know, it was never meant out of a personal malice, or I wasn't doing it to uh, you know throw any specific DJ under the bus. I think. Yeah. Now, with social media, there, there's more, you know, hurt and damage done in a week than in a year back then, because it was all with me, at least if like that, getting on stage and reintroducing a band out for an encore and throwing the call letters in there. That's, you know, that's all in good fun in my book. And if it happened to me, which it did eventually, you know, it's like, hey, touche. And I'd usually get the promotion director in my office and say, you know, how did this happen? How could you let this happen? But I knew how they let it happen because you, you can't stop, you know, things like that sometimes. But yeah. oh my god, that is so classic! You know, if if you're not in radio and you haven't been in that long, uh, it used to be much more vicious, you know, and and you'd be friends with the people across the street because a lot of the time you worked with them two weeks ago and then they got fired or they got hired at the other radio station, so it was kind of an incestuous business. But do you remember the days, John? And it doesn't happen anymore. You radio stations have a hotline and the hotline is where the program director can call a big line into the radio station. That's always answered. There's a, usually a big red light bulb that flashes when somebody calls. And that way the the program director or DJs can call each other with anything from, Hey, I left my keys at home. Can you let me in the building to, um, uh, what the fuck are you doing with my radio station? What did you just say on my radio station? And so the hotline, we still have one. We used to have to change it like every three months because other radio DJs would get it and then they would call and screw with us or they would give it out to their listeners and say, yeah, that's a special, you know, that's a phone number. That's uh, John Bon Jovi's home phone. Call that number. And uh, but the funny thing is now we've had the same hotline number at KWB now for like 18 years because radio stations just don't screw with each other that way anymore. Well, you remember. And I don't, I think it was in the South, but via the hotline, some radio station called the competitor under the guise of a, you know, CNN or something. And we're making sure they had the news about the death of Kenny Rogers. Now this is 20 years ago and they they called it like 4 AM. So the overnight person got that information and started playing wall to wall, Kenny Rogers. And when the morning show came in, they just took it as fact and said, Oh really? I hadn't seen that yet. Okay. 
And I think it was like noon before someone said, uh, I don't think he's dead. In fact, he, came, he, had, he had to go on CNN or somewhere and say, I'm not uh, dead because it had become this joke that this station, but they never checked. But where would they check? The local paper didn't have it yet. Right. There and, was no there was no instant media back yeah, then. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. Wow. I remember the hotline. In fact, I was the one hotlining the jocks half the time. But that's another story. Yeah, because you were you've been a boss. You've been you've been everything from a fourteen year old, seventeen year old promotions director to a program director. I want to just stop for a second. What I think is the highlight of your career, and I don't care what you say, Lastman. I say the highlight of your career was the Chucker on the Tom Bernard Show. Oh, can you can can you talk about that a little bit in case people don't know that bit? And if you don't know it, you should go listen to the bits on wherever they live. There's probably some on YouTube or somewhere. Yeah, they can be found very easily by just googling. Chucker Power 92. There's, you know, literally a hundred of them out there. But the Chucker was a bit um, uh, on the KQRS morning show, uh, basically just an idiotic bad DJ who doesn't know the first thing about the person he's interviewing. So if I was interviewing Dave Ryan, I'd, you know, I, I'd call you Dave Ryan, but I would reference like Steve Cochran bits or, you know, all these other DJs, you know, where, where'd you come up with uh, Hey Now? Well, you know, it's a Howard Stern thing. So it's always turns into a disaster, but that's by design. Now, someone's wife would mail you a card and say, my husband is bringing his you know, prized possession, his Porsche in to the shop for an oil change. Could you call them and say something went wrong at you know 1130 on Thursday the 5th? And you'd call them right then and you'd get the husband who had no idea and you would, you know, say, hey, the sunroof is looking great. And he'd say, what sunroof? And it would turn into this whole drama. And it was a very popular uh, call of the day was the name that we gave it. But it was a very popular thing back then. I figured out the only way to do this is to do it under the guise of an interview. They don't know that the, the DJ at Power 92 is an idiot. But so that's the way. We got around the call of the day, and that's how the chucker was born. It's genius. I, I don't know how you get an idea like that, John, but when I first moved here in 1993, um, you know, Tom Bernard is, but he was, was more back then. He was, you know, he had a 47 share. Everybody listened to Tom Bernard. They used to call him the 600-pound gorilla, and you were on his show, and I listened to the chucker, and um, uh, it was like, that's the funniest radio bit I've probably ever heard. Thank and you. I remember the, the one with uh, Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. And uh, he called in. What was he calling in to be interviewed for? He had a band or something that yeah. nobody cared about. He had an album that had just been released that nobody cared about. Uh, Cheers was on, you know, on fire. It was like the last season. This is before his movie career. But I was told, uh, the Chucker was told going in, uh, don't ask him about the TV show. He won't talk about Cheers. So, of course, all I did was talk about or try to talk about Cheers or play the Cheers theme and, you know, act like that was the new album. So it was. (laughs) And Woody was pissed. Oh, yeah. He he lasted a little while. I can't remember whether he hung up or what. (laughs) Have you ever been on the receiving end or unlikely the giving end of a lawsuit? Uh, for example, you know, back in Columbus, I there was a, a radio and TV critic who did not like our show. We were not the cool show. We were the good show, but we weren't the cool show. Yeah. And, you know, critics always like the cool show, never the good show. So um, he made fun of us. And I said on the radio that I had taken a shower with his wife. Oh. And, yeah. And so he got pissed. He attacked me after a remote, physically attacked me. 
And I didn't know who he was because he was a newspaper reporter. I didn't know what he looked like. And our engineer was, he was versed in the martial arts. He was coiling up cable, microphone cable at the remote. He comes over and pinned this guy to the floor in a blink. And I'm still going, who is this guy? Well, he sued us, but he had took a swing at me and bloodied my face. Wow. So I had a picture of my bloody face. And so we both settled out of court. I think we settled for $5,000. Have you ever been in or your station seen any lawsuit, anything? Well, first of all, if I was your program director back then, I would have said, Dave, I smell ratings. Um, <laughs> we, what, we did eventually. We got up to about a 20 share eventually, um, but it, it took a while. But that was yeah. part of the legacy of that. Yeah, uh, I can't speak for the morning show at KQ uh, because back in the day, there were a lot of lawsuits that were flying around, but I wasn't I wasn't directly connected to them. So I really don't know. I do know that there was a chucker that we did that never made it on the air because we were told, without question, we will sue you until we own your radio station if you broadcast this. And it was, and boy, this is, I mean, this is before my time. Jerry Lewis had a, a, has a son named Gary Lewis who did a song called This Diamond Ring by Gary Lewis and the Playboys in like 1960. Well, he was doing the... You know, the cruise ship or, you know, the Carlton Celebrity Room or one of these, you know, places where these bands would still play. And I started the Chucker started asking him about working with Dean Martin and the Nutty Professor. So I confused him with his father. But what I didn't know is that he had been like in and out of, you know, I don't know. Let's just say the ward now and then with some mental issues and okay. he, he went off the deep end and started screaming about his father and screaming about you know the platters how when you go see the platters it's not even the platters it's the lead singer's cousin's husband's niece on drums and just going on and on and on and i just let him go and to the to, to the point where the manager finally grabbed the phone and said listen i don't know what you're trying to do here but my client is not being made a fool of and we will sue and when I played it for my general manager, he said, uh-uh, uh-uh, that's never going to see the light of day. So uh, I don't know if the tape still exists, but I've uh, I've kept it under lock and key. Wouldn't you say, though, that makes me think of, you know what, you and I are a couple of wise guys and we're funny and we love a good laugh and we have a good sense of humor. Yet at the same time, haven't you always kind of tempered your humor with a, with a bit of compassion? So in other words, if you do something that just is like really funny, but it hurts somebody's feelings or it made somebody look bad, you always kind of look at each other in the studio and go, we can't air that, right? Yeah. You know, my father, my father once said to me, and this is like 25 years ago, he goes, you know, son, the thing I like about the chucker is that he's not mean. He's an idiot, but he's not mean. Yeah, And I think it was right around when we did uh, Fred Savage, who, you know, at the time was on the Wonder Years and he was all of, you know, 14 years old. And I thought he was Doogie Hauser, blah, blah, blah. But it was never mean. It was, he was laughing like he was laughing at me and with me. So, yeah. yeah, I've always felt that way and never did, you know, those stunts that, someone could get hurt, uh, you know, specifically. 
now. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's, you know, I think that's one of the things that makes you last for a long time um, with, with doing it with a little bit of compassion. I was at a radio convention about 10, 15 years ago and a couple of DJs that we were going around the room and we were all doing, Hey, here's a great bit to do. Here's a great bit to do. And everybody's got their yellow legal pad out and they're taking notes. And, and these two guys that were from like a, a market, like the size of Allentown, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. not a big one, but one you've heard of. Okay. Yeah. And they said something like, we did a great bit. We said, mom's dad's kids. You got to listen Monday morning at 7 a.m. You got to hear this. This is a no miss kind of a thing. Special announcement, Monday morning, 7 a.m. So Monday morning, 7 a.m. rolls around and they said, guess what, kids? There is no such thing as Santa Claus. Oh. And I was, and the room was like, you fuckers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because yeah, it got attention, but can you imagine? And it's like, no, you've got to temper that with a little bit of compassion and wisdom. So, yeah. And I think at the end of the day, you can, you know, sleep at night. There's nothing, there's nothing worse than, especially kids, uh, you know, the old uh, adage of go after the president, but don't go after the kids. And I, I try to live by that. It doesn't, and being a father, the last thing I'd want is someone, you know, screwing with my son. Now, at the same time, as soon as I say that, John, that we we did a bit with Steve-O, who was on our show, and uh, we used to do t- Steve-O. It was my idea, but I would let Steve do it because Steve had the role of the dick on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so Steve would say, hey, guess what? You want to win some Miley Cyrus tickets? Guess what? Call me now if you want to win. He didn't say, I have them to give to you. He would say, if you want to go see Miley Cyrus, call me right now. Call me up. We'll get you on the phone, and I know you want to go see Miley Cyrus. So he'd get a, like a fourteen-year-old, twelve-year-old girl, or twelve-year-old girl on the phone, and uh, and he'd say, "Oh my God, Megan, you want to go see Miley Cyrus, don't you?" And this would go on for 30, 40 seconds. Yes. Oh my God, I do so much. I love her so much. Oh, wouldn't that be great to go see her? Well, no. The answer is no. no. <laughs> and so, and we laughed and laughed. But at the same time, there was this broken-hearted 12-year-old Megan on the phone, and we're like, ah. Well, we had to stop. The reason why, John, was because Megan, or whoever the girl of the week was, her parents started calling uh, Bob Pittman, who is oh. the CEO of our company. And Bob <laughs> Pittman was like, don't fucking do that. I don't have time to answer your calls from Minneapolis. I got shit to do. Um and so we had to stop doing it because parents got wise to us and they knew that a call to corporate would actually get them Miley Cyrus tickets. <laughs> yeah, you think? Oh, well, that's great. Yeah, it, it, leave the kids alone. I mean, there was the story uh, just a couple of years ago. Somebody was giving away, you know, uh, a Porsche or a Mercedes. Come on down to the station. And this was not in Allentown. This was in some small rural market that you had not heard of. Anyways, when the listeners, you know, 100 people showed up, and the idiot DJ came out with a matchbox Mercedes Benz and, you know, gave it to one of the listeners. Aha. Uh-huh. And it's just, you know, don't waste our time. And it's not that creative. So, Well, there was one that you remind me of one. And, and it's funny how you and I can swap stories all day. And this we're going to try to keep this podcast under three hours. But I have a feeling we can go on. I worked with a woman named Corey. And Corey was wonderful. And she worked at a radio station in um, uh, Orlando. They're giving away a brand new Toyota. Uh, what will you do to win a brand new Toyota? And uh, there was a woman about to eat dog shit. She was ready. Uh, she was ready to eat dog shit on the air. What will you do to win? And Corey pulled her aside and said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It was a toy Yoda, like a Star oh, Wars Yoda. Oh, a toy gee, Yoda. Gee, just... Did you ever hear the one? This was, I mean, this was bad too. There's a radio station, New York somewhere, but not New York City. And Brittany at her prime 
They said, we got Brittany here at the radio station. Brittany is here at the radio station. They had a limo. They yeah. had uh, a woman who was dressed up in sunglasses and a hat that resembled Brittany, yeah. but it wasn't Brittany Spears. And they rushed her out of the radio station. They rushed her into the limo. There was a throng of dozens or a hundred people. And a woman, a mom, fell mm. in the throng, hit her head, and died. Oh, God. So it's just like, you know, uh, I, and, and that's horrible. There's nothing funny about it. And then you've heard the one, you heard the hold your we for a we story, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking of that. It was a contest when the we was new, was new and popular. They said, okay, drink water. We're going to have these listeners come in. Everybody drink water. Drink water. Whoever can drink the most water is going to win a brand new we. Well, they did have a we, but the woman who drank the most died. Yeah. Because you can actually intoxicate yourself and poison yourself with too much water. Mm-hmm. Fuck, that's just sad. That's just, that's it's just, awful. So I will tell you, that was kind of like those two moments in radio yeah. kind of pulled some people back, I think, from the brink of like, what else can we do? Yeah, and if it didn't pull the DJ back, it certainly pulled the uh, legal counsel for the yeah. companies back. I mean, that station that you talked about with uh, Hold Your We, that was a legendary top 40 station like KDWB. It had been you know, primarily in the same format for you know, 30, 40 years. And within two years, that station was sold. And No kidding. I mean, it was everybody lost their jobs over that promotion. So you know what's scary? Buying is horrible. And then everyone else losing their job is horrible. It is. And it is horrible. Um, and, you know, you got to wrestle with that on your conscience for the rest of your life. I'm going to be real honest because I told the other people on my show at the time, I said, if I would have thought of that bit, I would have done it myself. Sure. Sure. I mean, I, because nobody, nobody knew it could kill you. No, no. And I, and it scares me to think that had I thought about that bit, I very well might have found myself in the same situation. So, uh, um, what a happy podcast you have. You know what? I'm going to bring I'm going to bring it around full circle, and I'm going to talk about uh, something that um, uh, that everybody asked me, and I know that you were the same way, being in radio for years. Who were your favorite guests, and who was your least favorite guest that you ever had on? I'm going to start off with my favorite guest ever was Will Smith. Will Smith was funny. And I learned something from Will Smith. I learned to call people by their first name because Will Smith called me Dave. Dave, that's a great question. Dave, let me tell you, that's a funny story. Dave, what? And I'm like, shit, Will Smith sounds like my friend. So I learned something and I loved Will Smith and I've loved him ever since then. I liked him before because he's Will Smith. Um, Our least favorite, I don't really have a least favorite, but I will say that Jordan Knight from New Kids on the Block was or no? It was Donnie Wahlberg and Joey. Don, Jordan held up a concert because he didn't have he didn't have cufflinks, so we <laughs> had to go find him cufflinks. He held up a concert at Mall of America for an hour because oh. he didn't have cufflinks. Um, uh, Donnie Wahlberg and Joey McIntyre were also a couple of dicks, honestly, because I interviewed them and they were rude. And I had a microphone that resembled an electric razor. It did. It it, it, was, a, it was like a digital recorder that looked like an electric razor. And I held it in Donnie Wahlberg's face. He's like, whoa, get that out of my face. What are you going to do, shave me? Oh, and I'm like, you're a dick, Donnie oh, Wahlberg. Oh, God. Any, any good, any bad, John, what do you think? Uh, well, good. You know, I came up pretty quick in this business. So at... 17, I'm in my parents' basement listening to uh, the Billy Joel Stranger album. And by 2021, I'm interviewing him live in the studio. So things like that were, you know, pinch me moments. Now, I don't know if Billy himself was the greatest interview, but just the fact that, you know, four feet away, 
uh, stands Billy Joel and I'm talking to him and I knew, you know, I knew his career inside and out. Cause like I said, I was just listening to him as, as a fan before I got, you know, on the radio. So, you know, Billy Joel stands out, Robert Plant, same thing. You're, you know, listening to Led Zeppelin one year and three years later, you're interviewing him. Wow. Uh, bad ones. <sighs> Joe Walsh, before he got sober was a mess. An app. Really? I mean, like a smelly mess to the point of cutting the interview short because the studio really reeked. And I don't know if it was, you know, a combination of sweat, weed, butt, but the whole, you can imagine. So this was before, it's during the long break of, you know, 15 years that the Eagles took. And Joe was a real mess at one time, but he had a record out and he came by and I was excited to talk to him because I was a fan, but yeah, he was not, the best at the time. Now, since then, I've heard him, and he's great. And of course, Gary Lewis of Gary Lewis and the Playboys. We have to. Yeah, that's that's a pretty bad one, John. I don't want to leave you, you know, with like one great story that you didn't get to tell. So, uh, is there one more story that, while you think about that, I will tell you, you know, because I want to give you a chance to, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot. If you have one more. Um, uh, I'm going to say that next week on the show, I'm going to talk about the item that got stolen from our promotions closet, mm. because when you said earlier that you were the promotions director, basically you're in charge of the prize, bo- the prize closet. There was something very, very cool in our prize closet and a staff member stole it. And I'll tell you who and what it was next week on this podcast. Any story, John, that you want to leave us with? Ah, uh, sure. Um, there was a bar called the, or there, I think they just closed called the iron horse in crystal, I believe. And it was a big biker bar. And we, uh, KQ was doing a band called honeymoon suite that had a couple of top 40 hits and a bunch of rock hits. And they were, you know, pretty hot at the time. And I was hired to MC the show and bring on the band. So I bring out Honeymoon Suite and they're playing and everyone's digging it and everyone's drinking and they start doing their top 40 record called What Does It Take? I bet you played that at some point. How does Uh, it go? uh, If I could grow wings, I would do anything. Anyways, I don't do it. Okay, I think I got it. It it was a hairband ballad that were all the rage at the time. Anyways, they start doing What Does It Take? And somebody near the front of the stage throws an empty, not full, but an empty uh, red solo cup at the lead singer, and it hits him right in the face. And this guy stops the band, and the whole place is like, what's going on? He looks out at the crowd, and he says, hey, nobody throws shit at me when I'm singing. F you, Minnesota. And he flips off the crowd, and this hush comes over the room. And all of a sudden, one of the bikers goes, get them. And I swear to God, Dave, they charged the stage. And it was a scene uh, right out of the Blues Brothers. And I, again, I'm running for the exits. The band jumps in their bus. And it was basically a mini riot. And I never got my $50 for introducing the band. But uh, Okay, that's funny. That's bullshit. You should have been paid for that. Get them. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't that's flip off the bikers, you know. That don't piss off the bikers. That's one of the most awkward things when the when the celebrity turns on the audience. Oh, and God, then it's like, it. oh, you loved us a minute ago. Uh. This is awful. <laughs> wow. 
John, hey, hey, really quick, um, uh, what are you up to these days? Uh, for anybody who you know has known you in the past and you know listened to you on different radio stations, give me give me the stations you worked at here in town, and then wh- what are you doing today? Ooh, let's see. Uh, I just got done a year ago, uh, six year run at KQRS, my second uh, tour of duty there. I ran ninety three point seven The Edge. I programmed ninety three X. I uh, programmed uh, Jack FM and uh, W Light. And, uh, boy, we're going back uh, all the way back to WWTC in the uh, early 80s, late 70s. Um, I left KQRS about a year ago, and I remember uh, agreeing to disagree on our our terms and thinking, yeah, hey, the only way I wouldn't get another job in this town is if, I don't know, a a pandemic broke out or something. (laughs) So to answer your question, I'm on the COVID beach and uh, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, you keep talking about the money all the time. I told you I don't have any money. So, uh, yes, uh, reach out and uh, who knows, maybe someday uh, uh, Dave Ryan and the Chucker will, uh, will work together. Pat, Pat, Power 92. Power 101. <laughs> I love it so much. Hey, John, thanks so much for being on the podcast. And um, like I said, you and I could talk for hours, but I kind of wanted to keep this at least a reasonable length. And uh, and I appreciate you so much. So, no, this hey. is great. And, and, all, and all, you know, strokes aside, you're one of the uh, survivors in this ridiculous business this classy showbiz uh, we call radio and uh kudos to you you i remember when you started and uh you you would come in following a few you know pretty good morning shows that didn't last that long and you are still there so uh way to go well thanks man yeah i, I appreciate that i think that par- i always say paranoia has served me well because i'm always paranoid that somebody better than me is going to be on the radio and 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 uh and it's very likely it's happening right now and i'm not aware of it but i'm always working hard because paranoia is my best friend and makes me stay on edge so um it's worked for me hey listen if you're listening to the podcast for the first time uh we appreciate you listening podcast called Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Usually we talk about my book of that name. Um, and really, there's no moral, moral lesson in this podcast this week. It's just fun radio stories. So maybe if you know somebody who's on the radio and they would love to hear this, tell them about the podcast, send them the link, and uh, we'll be back with another one next week. And I'll tell the story about the stolen item from the KWB uh, prize closet with another uh, radio figure that we'll talk to next week. Hey, John, you take care and thanks for being on. We'll talk to you. We'll catch up again soon, okay? All right. And to you, thanks for listening to Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Mm-hmm.